this is Tim Hunzey, partner of Parallel Music Publishing and board member of the Nashville Association of Independent Music Publishers. Thanks for listening to the Nashville Pubcast. This episode of the Nashville Pubcast, we have attorney Denise Stevens, partner at Logan Loeb. We try to simplify the complexities of ownership, dissecting the pie, so to speak, of writer, track guy, lyricist, producer, and who owns what. talk today really about the way music publishing has changed specifically in the uh, recording of demos and what all that looks like and the processes that has been going through because Nashville as a whole has really changed uh, dramatically in the last five years. It used to just be really simple in the day of publishing that you'd get two writers or three writers in a room, they'd write a song together with their guitars, they'd lay down a quick work tape, they take it to their publisher, the publisher decides they want to demo it, you'd uh, go to a studio, you'd pay union studio musicians, and you knew what the outcome was, who owned, who paid. But now, things have dramatically changed in the world of music publishing. And with me, we have Denise Stevens, a uh, partner at Loeb & Loeb, who is going to help me break down what this looks like in our new world with the advent and proliferation of track people. Happy to be here, Tim. <laughs> you didn't look so happy. You looked like you had a lot of questions, to be honest. But uh, but that's why I've I, I paid you all these years to be that thorough, right? Well, exactly. And, yeah. and that's what makes uh, music and all of this so exciting is that it's constantly evolving. There are so many new things that come into the mix because of the way things change, the way things are exploited, and the way really how the pennies are chopped up against so many different parties. And if you change the method that things come about and how they're put through a system, you can't just rely on what you're used to. You really have to take a look at what those contributions are, who gets what, and really pay attention to what that documentation is to make sure everybody's clear so that you don't have arguments down the road. Well, currently, uh, to be honest, it's it's a little still like the Wild West out there for me in the in the music world because we have guys writing with a lot of track guys and producer writers that are creating these songs in their rooms, maybe one-offing with one musician, maybe, maybe it's the writer themselves adding part to the track, and it's created this like different world because these are almost masters as opposed to demos as uh you and i had discussed uh, before that the it used to be just demo recordings they were demonstrations that were pitched to get commercial use you never really thought of putting them out at the in the and back in the old days it wasn't really that long ago we're talking like six seven years ago now but um I mean, on occasion that you wanted to, you could pay a couple fees to the union and all of a sudden you had a master and you could put it out and everybody was happy. But that's not really the case anymore with what ownership is. And that's really where I'm kind of getting with, with you, Denise, is to ask, in the world we're in today, just starting off simply, when, to, when we get some writers in a room, say you get two writers in a room and a writer-producer in a room, what is being created in, in, in that room and what does that look like now from a, a legal standpoint? I know that's broad, but you can start simple and 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole big question, well, right? there's a lot there. Uh, but I think that really just distill it down to what hasn't changed, and that is the definition of what's a joint work. And a joint work is when the party, the creators, intend to make one finished work. And they may have independent creations that they bring to that table, but they do so with the plan that I'm bringing my piece, you're bringing your piece, and we're going to create a finished song at the end of the day. And that's going to be jointly owned by us. Uh, And it doesn't matter whether those things happen contemporaneously or not. It just really matters what the intention is. So if someone is um, planning a bunch of lyrics that they want to create into a song that's clearly created ahead of time, it is independently copyrightable. It could be a uh, a poem, it, and that would stand alone. But when it was created, it was created with the intention of making a song. So bringing those lyrics or those, uh, those word strings or whatever it is that inspires that song into the room, uh, which could be alongside what uh, a, a you know, someone who writes melody brings into the room with something that's been mulling through their mind, then they come and they bring those things together, and the end result is a joint work because they've intended that to be the case. But a lot of times it's not just usually a lyric person, a melody person, a track guy. You've, but there's still the point is coming in for that intended work, but it's so varied in the sense that one person may have the idea, the other person jumps in with a little bit of lyric to go with it, and then somebody's bringing in some melody, but this guy will have, or girl as the case may be, some suggestions on the melody. And now, also complicating it, there might be somebody over there creating this track behind it and building uh, a, a music bed, a music piece behind it as well, a fully produced music track. Uh, so does that change any of the, the angle that you're referring to, or, or is the intent to come in and make that collective work the, the point that is the most important? I think it's really the end, and I think it's worthy to point out that an idea or a concept is not protectable. So if someone says, you know, hey, I've been thinking of this idea, well, that's not enough. You actually have to create the expression of that idea, which is what the magic happens when they get into the room and do it together. But again, going back to what I said before, it doesn't have to be contemporaneous. They can happen separately, but the contribution is still made that I'm giving you my part A, giving it to you, and you're going to finish it, and we're going to end up with a song. So that doesn't have to be, quote, in the room, but we still have to have anticipated that we're doing that. But you raise a good point. Is that, well, who, who are those joint creators? Is it, you know, the, the girl that walks into the room with the beer? Or is it someone who really creates something of copyrightable substance? And, of course, the bottom line is the latter, but we all know of circumstances, well, hey, I was there and I had some idea. And before you know it, there's six claimants to, you know, that song that was really only written by two. So then you get into the, all right, well, what's the splits if we've got to live with this? And if you don't put this in writing, it's per capita. Each person gets their pro rata share unless you put it in writing that, all right, it's going to be 75% of this whole thing is going to be these two and then we're going to give a, a little piece over here and over here but put it in writing or it's not not going to hold if you talk to my guys that do the uh, the track side of the world for sure these are the guys they'll say and i don't disagree 
the writers, everybody comes in, write the song, then writer, the writers leave the room and then he spends another five hours finishing out the track and building it out and sometimes even singing it or whatever, mixing it, sends it, does all the tweaks. Yet they still only get a third. The writers get a third, or you know, if there's three of them in the example I'm using. And I know that some of them feel that on some levels they deserve more because they've spent all the time on it. And this has not been uh, uh, changed yet, but I know that this has been a comment and a conversation that's come up a number of times with my my track guys. And and I'm like, well, that's what you bring to the table. You know, that's that's usually my discussion with them is that's your skill set you bring, that they are the songwriters. And now maybe he's a competent songwriter as well, which a lot of them are. I'm not taking anything off of that. Yeah. Uh, but they have another skill set of creating the demo. So it's a good, it's gotten messy, but still at the moment today, we still split things evenly at this point. I mean, I know there's probably some cases outside of it, but in general, most of the stuff I get turned in still looks. Well, let's look at back, go back to copyright number one and number two, that that producer who completed the recording and... Uh, for purposes of copyright, a recording is a recording. It doesn't matter if it's a demo or a master. It's still a recording, and it's entitled to all of the same rights as either one of them would have. Uh, and so it really doesn't make a difference. So that producer who put in all of that effort into creating that recording is a creator and therefore entitled to a piece of copyright. You might have a writer who didn't sing anything or play anything on that recording but still came up with the words so they, they own part of copyright number one, and they may have nothing in the recording. So now the producer, track writer, is, enabled, is able to receive two different income streams, one derived from each copyright. So they're still getting more than they would right. if we're only looking at one. This is my usual when uh, the, the writer-producers uh, have had this conversation with me. They deserve more. I remind them that at some point, uh, somebody may buy the track, upgrade the track, or they'll get points, or they'll get credits down the road, because sometimes the stems are used for the masters when they get recorded by an artist or something, or they get the brought in as a co-producer more and more. You see that starting to happen where... Uh, these guys are becoming the producers of the track. Again, i.e. like uh, L.A. and New York tend to uh, have also do that. The writer producers are now the producers. If you're looking into the crystal ball of the future, do you see any trends in deals or trends in the future of, of uh, that we can get on top? Because still, and you know how I feel because you are my corporate attorney, I'll just full disclosure and do all my, my writer's deals. Uh, I've been doing basically the same kind of standard deals, but they don't make any sense anymore. I know this is about track writers and all that, but do you, what do you see the future looking like? In the, and is there anything changing currently? Well, I haven't seen things begin to change yet, but you're raising an issue that justifies taking a look at it to see whether or not there's some additional creativity that we need to put into the standard writer deal that uh, addresses the the what if, uh, because this kind of thing, you know, is happening more outside of Nashville because of the growth of Nashville. More of this, you know, track concept is is coming in, which is rocking the boat a bit. Is the way we've typically done business here. There hasn't been a need to really address this before, but the reality is what it is, and the evolution of creation and the tools that people have available digitally and the way that people can record records in their basement, and, and they're of great quality, and it just starts to blur the line a bit. 
and there just needs to be some discussion so there's clear expectations. It's when people have different expectations that you get into trouble. Thanks for listening to the Nashville AIMP Pubcast. For more information, check out AIMP.org or follow us at Nashville AIMP on Instagram. The Nashville AIMP would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Jamber and Sound Exchange. Jamber wants to know if you're looking for an easier way to capture song splits at the point of creation and organizing your catalog. Jamber is our podcast sponsor and they are offering listeners a first look at their songwriter and publisher apps that allow songwriters to collaborate when inspiration strikes. Go to jamber.com forward slash AIMP to sign up today. SoundExchange develops business solutions for the entire music industry. They collect and distribute royalties on behalf of more than 155,000 recording artists, master right owners, and music publishers. SoundExchange have paid out more than $5 billion in royalties. SXWorks serves the licensing and administration needs of music publishers around the world and operates CMRRA, which represents music publishers and administers mechanical rights for the majority of songs recorded, sold, and broadcast in Canada. We appreciate you listening to the Nashville Pubcast. Stay tuned for an all-new episode next week.